I can't get no satisfaction. Help me. Oh, I tried, and I tried. Satisfaction. Hey, 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 hey. That's all I've got to say, all right? <laughs> so, well, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> so, just curious, on a scale one to ten, and obviously I don't want you to say it out loud, but I want you to get a number in your mind. So, how satisfied are you with your job? All right, one to ten, one to ten. All right. How satisfied are you with your marriage? And do not blink at this point. But how satisfied are you with your singleness, with your income, with your financial status? How satisfied are you with your home, your car? One to ten, how satisfied are you with your overall condition of your life see they, these are big big I mean they're big questions and in other words they kind of lead to other questions you know how satisfied should you be how satisfied could you be in your life are, are my uh, expectations are they too high or too low Am I in denial about the level of satisfaction in my life? Are you expecting too much this side of heaven? See, when it, it comes to satisfaction level, I, I think sometimes we're like, well, do I need to raise the bar in my life or do I need to lower it a little bit? And so we're, we're continuing this series, Still Rolling Stones. And it's long before Mick Jagger hit the stage. You know, Solomon was singing a very similar tune to this. And in fact, it is a song that has been sung since the beginning of time. You know, and I, I was kind of thinking about it. It changes the uh, whole meaning of Stone Age, I think, so. They've been singing this. I mean, Solomon, the smartest guy in the world, he's living in the 5th century B.C., and he belts out a tune on the subject of satisfaction and the meaning of life. You know, Solomon's thoughts, they're, they're recorded in the book of Ecclesiastes. We looked at that a little bit last week. But it's really a, a book, 12 chapters on what, what is the meaning of life, what matters in life, what doesn't matter, you know, what will satisfy you and what will leave you wanting in this life. Solomon writes, he says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utter meaningless. 
everything is what? Meaningless. Now that is an encouraging one, isn't it? I mean, basically he says, hey, everybody, you know, if I could get your attention, everything you're doing is utter meaningless. You know, have a great day now. I mean, it just hits you. It's a gut punch. But Solomon, he doesn't settle for shock value or some, uh, I might say, uh, existential observation of someone else's life. But Solomon is going to spend the first two chapters of this book kind of building his case. And, And he grabs our attention right away. And he says, you know, the next time you're outside, and I'm going to kind of summarize what he talks about. He goes, I, I want you to look at the sun and the moon and the stars. I want you to look at the mountains and the rivers. I want you to look at the ocean. I want you to look at, at the plains. I want you to look at all creation. And I want you to consider something. He says, generations come and generations go. But the earth remains forever. And his point is, you think you're significant? Well, consider this. You, you get 70, maybe 80 years in this life, and then you die. Yet the mountains, the ocean, well, they've been around for tens of thousands of years. So some night when you can't sleep... Think about the fact that your lawn's going to outlive you. It's another cheery thought, isn't it? <laughs> Solomon says, I can't get no satisfaction. I'm searching for meaning. And he believes he knows the key to satisfaction in life. He says, I, I, I think I can get satisfaction through knowledge. Higher learning. I'll grow my brain, so to speak. He says, then I applied myself to understanding of wisdom and also the madness and folly. But I learned this too, is chasing after the wind. Now, no pointing, but have you ever known someone that like they finished college and they still didn't know what they wanted to do? And so they're like, well... I'll I'll go to grad school, and they finish grad school, and they still don't know, and so they're like, hey, you know what, I think I'll travel further down this road, and they keep traveling down that road, and they, they are trying to figure things out, and it really becomes, if you watch, an endless quest, more knowledge, more credentials, and it's really empty. Solomon says, I can't get no satisfaction. And he comes to a conclusion. Life's not about knowledge. And I always think that this isn't coming from a guy that dropped out of school and goes, ah, who needs it, you know. History records that Solomon obtained the highest level of intellectual sophistication. There was no one that was his equal. And... Uh, He's reading the great people of his day. He's contemplating and comparing great ideologies. He's studying philosophies and gurus. And he's taking all this stuff in and he reaches the highest level of intellectual development. 
And then he very calmly, kind of matter of fact, says, yeah, knowledge, chasing the wind, meaningless. He goes on, he says, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more what? Grief. (laughs) Now, don't misunderstand me. Education's a good thing. Developing your mind to its full potential is wonderful. We, we should. We, we don't waste this. It just is not the key to satisfaction in life. It never will be. You know, by the, the middle of uh, chapter 2, Solomon starts saying, I really think he's entertaining us at this point because he starts talking about all of his years of hedonistic indulgences. You know, this unbridled pleasure-seeking in his life. And he just keeps going. It's kind of like a college frat party that never, never ends. He says, after much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And I read that and I think, well... How much does it take? How much wine does it take? How much do you have to drink to fill that void, to to fill that deep desire in your life? Well, I'll tell you, there's not enough out there. There's not enough beers, not enough liquor, not enough drugs. You can never fill the void. And I meet people all the time in recovery programs full of people. They gave it the old college try. Solemns and said, you know what? It left me wanting in my life. It's not academia. It's not partying, so to speak. It must be materialism. And again, smartest guy in the world. You got to remember this. This guy's sharp. He says, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to to water groves of flourishing trees. Solomon built and he, he acquires so much stuff that he needs help managing it all. He says, I acquired male and female servants, had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than any who were in Jerusalem before me. You're hearing all this. I mean, he's got enough money. He can buy anything that he wants. So he buys real estate and farms and gardens. He, he's designing and, and building homes and parks. He's got the greatest artwork and treasures of the world in his homes. He says, I, he went on in uh, verse 8, and he says, I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers. I, I, immediately I'm thinking, okay, so this guy's not just buying stuff off of iTunes. He's buying the bands. He goes, I'll, I'll, I'll take Rolling Stones will play today. You know, he's buying the bands to perform unadulterated, no restraint, self-indulgence in his life. He buys everything, anything that he wants. 
Now, I want to pause for a second because I did not want to be misquoted. I am not suggesting, and Solomon's not suggesting, that having stuff is evil. He's not saying that. He, he basically comes to a point and says, I just don't want you to get suckered into thinking that things will satisfy your life. He pulls out all the stops. He, he's arranging sexual flings with some of the most desirable women in the world. Says in a harem as well, the delight of a man's heart. The, Solomon has got all these women on a string. And when I read that, I think he's trying to keep them all happy. Yeeks. You know, good luck with that. That's got trouble written all over it. But he pursued everything with unbridled passion. He says, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. You hearing this guy? He had everything. He got fame. He's got fortune. I imagine if they had paparazzis back then, they're following this guy around. I mean, he's the toast of the town. He says, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labors. And this was the reward for all my toils. Solomon's on this quest for satisfaction. And I'll be honest, when I'm reading it, in my my heart, I'm thinking, this has got to satisfy. I mean, he's getting it all. But he says, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was what? Meaningless and chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And I tried. And I tried. I can't get no. Solomon says, I can't get satisfaction. It's a complete bust. He says, I have been searching for satisfaction. I've been trying to find it. I want it but I am crossing all these things off my list. I, I've been there. I've done that. They, they do not deliver. You will come up empty. They're meaningless. There's nothing to them. I was reading a while back or actually listening to an interview, Bill Gates. He's worth $135 billion, at least for a little while longer. He's going to split that up, but... Um, I was listening to an interview, though, and very interesting because it was about the time he was setting up the Gates Foundation. And so he's dumping billions of dollars to helping people, people in crisis, relief work, famine work. He started focusing on education, uh, disease research. And they asked him, they said, why are you moving from building wealth to wealth distributed. And it was very interesting because he, he paused for, for a bit. And then he said, I don't, I don't think you're going to like what I have to say. But he said, I woke up one day and I asked myself, what's the point? What's the point? You know, I, I could earn another billion, 
5 billion, 10 billion? What's the point? And they just said, how many billions are enough? That kind of registered with me. Now, I understand we, we got to take this out of his stratosphere, right? Because I think it's too difficult to even understand a billion dollars. But what about, what about the person that says, you know, 10,000 more in the account? If I could just make X amount of money, then I'd be satisfied. If I could just get that house, if I could drive that car, I think it would do it. I think it would. And Solomon comes to a realization 3,000 years ago. At some point, friends, you wake up and it will feel like you're chasing the wind. It's meaningless. Now, I want to make sure we're on the same page here. Scripture, clear, it clearly teaches that God has given us desires. And God has given us things to enjoy. He's blessed us. And I have some things, and I acknowledge they all came from God. God's the giver of all the good things. I'm very grateful for the things I have. I share them freely. I enjoy them. But friends, I also understand I could part with them anytime, at any time, and it's okay. The, the Christian faith does not teach anti-materialism. It is not anti-pleasure. I mean, throughout Scripture, you find God-honoring people that are attending festivals and parties and celebrations and that have wealth and they're enjoying it, enjoying life. It's okay. It's a good thing. But Scripture is also brutally honest about what will bring satisfaction in life. And what will never deliver satisfaction in life? Solomon, he's going to try one more deep dive in his life. One more quest to see if he can find satisfaction. And he says, it's in my work, I think. It's what I do. That's where I'm going to find it. And so after he accomplishes that final goal he set in his life, when he had completed like the 10,000th project, he just blurts out, I mean, pain, these are painful words. He says, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless and chasing after the wind. How'd you like to work with that guy? Hate my job. Hate what I'm doing. It's painful. I mean, it sounds like he hates life. It sounds like his work brings him grief. But if you read everything that he has to say on the topic, you realize he's not afraid of working hard. In fact, he loves his work. 
He strives for excellence with everything that he does. The disillusionment that he has is not working hard. I mean, it's something deeper here. I think it's more philosophical, maybe. He says, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun. Here we go. Because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruits of my toil, which I have poured my efforts and my skills under the sun. This too is what? Meaningless. <laughs> you, can, you can hear the gears going for Solomon. He says, wait a minute, let me get this straight. So I work really, really hard. I kind of rise up, you know, move up the levels in life, move up at work. I, I begin making decisions that, that get me to a place. I sacrifice for 40 or 50 years. I get everything built up really nice. And, they, and then I retire and I hand it off to a bozo. That's kind of what he's saying. I mean, what if my life's work, what if the person that steps up and takes it over, what if they fumble? He goes, it's insanity. This is crazy. It's chasing the wind. I, I was thinking, uh, you know, recently just with the pandemic, all the companies that have went under, you know, and, and who would have ever thought that like Pier 1 would go down? Lord and Taylor. I mean, Circuit City, they went out a while back. But who would have ever thought a multi-billion dollar company would one day just be gone? See, Solomon, Solomon, he gets this. He says, be very careful. Be careful what you pin your hopes and your dreams on. Be careful. You know, it's not simply that you might take the risk and it might not satisfy you. No, you might take the risk and it actually might evaporate. Then all that you've done becomes nothing. Chasing the wind. This stuff does not satisfy. It never will. Now I'm on the edge of my seat with him. But Solomon comes to a conclusion. I love it because he pulls it all together here. He says, the end of the matter. All has been heard. He says, I've said it all now. After all the pursuits, after trying all these things, trying to find satisfaction. He says, please hear me. I'm telling you, here it is, fear God. Now, fear doesn't mean to be in terror of God. It means to respect God, to love God, to honor God with what we say and do. He says, and keep his commandments. So, 
you allow God to guide you and protect you. Those go hand in hand. If you let God guide you, he will protect you. That's just how God works. For that is the whole duty of everyone. Solomon says, this is what life's all about. This is what life's all about. This is the only place that you will ever find satisfaction in life, a stained satisfaction, satisfaction that that changes your heart, changes how you live. You know, a quick question. Where are you likely to spend your last days? Well, it's very likely you spend your last days in the hospital. Maybe at home on hospice. But you'll probably spend your last days flat on your back, knowing your days are numbered. And friends, as a pastor, I've been with hundreds of people in those moments. And I've been with people when they know they have just days or hours left. And I know how it goes. I I have never, in all my years of ministry, I've never had anyone that in those last days they said, Hey, hey, Damon, um, could you do something for me? Could you get someone to go... To, to my house, and I've got, I've got this really great sales trophy I won. And could you, could you bring it back, have them bring it back to me? Because I just want to hold it one more time. I, I think it'll make me feel better. Never had that happen. Never have. Never had anybody go, hey, could, could you get someone to stop by the bank and pick up all my stock certificates? Because I just want to hug them as I expire. I've never had anybody say, hey, could you get my car and pull it up at the window so I can see it? Because I want to look at my car while I'm waiting to meet my maker. I've never had anybody say that. Those are not the conversations that happen. People talk about two things. They talk about family and they talk about God period. You know, whether things are right in their family or not, and whether they're ready to meet their maker or not, they talk about two things. It becomes crystal clear when your days are numbered. And 100% come to the same exact conclusion every time. All that stuff that seems so important that I, I chased, I wanted, all that stuff that I was absolutely sure would satisfy my life, they realized in that moment it's chasing the wind and it is a sobering moment. I think one of the hardest things about being a pastor somewhere for as long as I've been here is I've gotten to know many of you. I've gotten to know you well. And I've grown to love you, most of you. (laughs) But here's, here's the rub. 
I've watched some of you. You're living your life, chasing stuff, going down different roads. And I'll, I'll be honest, it, it gets to me sometimes. Because I watch and, and I just find myself sometimes at my desk going, God, I, I, I pray, I pray that they come to a point where they are so thoroughly disillusioned with money or work or pleasure-seeking or, or things or whatever. And I'm like, God, bring them to a realization about what life's really about. And I'll tell you, I worry about some of you. I do. Because I worry you're going to come to the end of life filled with regret. Because you got lost along the way. Chasing something that wasn't anything. See, my, my prayer, really been all week, is that today might be a defining moment for some of you. And they, they, you do two things. And it really is, they're, they're hard to do. They're easy to identify, though. One, you'd throttle back. Throttle back from the things that life's not about. Throttle back from knowledge and possessions and money and pleasure-seeking and saying, oh, man, those are the most important. And you'd shift and turn your attention toward what is important and what life's about. See, there's, you find satisfaction. The end of the matter. All, it's been heard. Solomon says, get this, fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the whole duty of everyone. Friends, choose very carefully. Choose very carefully so you don't sing that same old tune. I can't get no satisfaction. I've tried. I've tried. I can't get no satisfaction. Friends, choose carefully. You have one and only one life, period. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, I praise you for who you are. God, I pray in this moment right now, I know there are some that they just need to give it up need to say, Lord, I got, I got sidelined. I'm majoring in the minors. I've made this so important, and it's not all that important. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just convict, break. They'd come to the realization of what does matter.
God, may we honor you with our lives, with what we say, what we do. May we allow you to, to guide us. And God, we ask for your protection in this life. God, help us to keep you front and center to honor you all the days of our life. God, we give you the glory and the praise this day and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God's people said, let's worship. Let's worship our, our maker and our God. Let's worship.